This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 7, Episode 6. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Silencer Shop, our title sponsor. In fact, today's guest on the podcast uh, happens to work for Silencer Shop. Uh, We'll introduce him here momentarily. Uh, It's going to be a really awesome episode because we're going to talk about everything to do with silencers, suppressors, how to get them, what's the best way to go about that. It's going to be a great episode, so stay tuned for that. Today's episode is sponsored and brought to you by Silencer Shop. I am a customer of Silencer Shop. Yes, they are sponsored the episode, but uh, I use their services well before we ever had any kind of sponsorship in place. So uh, I'll just tell you from my own personal experience, both having applied for and having received already a, re- a suppressor of my own using their services, uh, also having some suppressors in the wait queue right now, that I have applied using a Science of Shop services. And the process is so simple, streamlined, and just makes it so that anybody could do it. Years ago, the process was a lot more self-managed and a little bit more, uh, a little bit more efforts on, on, on your part. So guys, check out silencershop.com, go to their website. You'll see a full listing, a full catalog of all kinds of suppressors available for sale. You buy them right from their website, they're going to come to your dealer of choice, your SOT dealer of choice, wherever you know where they may be that's near you. I promise you, you'll find one that's near you. And preferably if they have a size or shop kiosk in place, that will make the application process all the easier. So check it out, silencershop.com. We appreciate their sponsorship of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Also, we are coming down to the wire, folks, with regards to our three-day training event, the Guardian Conference in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, coming up September 16th to the 18th. So we're going to do a couple more, you know, mentions about it on the podcast. Uh, if you're if you're on the fence, now's the time to make sure you get committed and sign up for the event now. Tickets still available, tickets still for sale. We are finalizing schedules right now as we speak. So you're going to want to make sure that you get signed up so you can get your classes selected and Make sure you get that schedule rolled out so you know what you're going to be able to, to, to participate in at the conference. we got a lot of amazing instructors all the way from Matt Little, Chuck Haggard, John Johnston, Melody Lauer, Sam Middlebrook will be there. Jeez, uh, I know I'm missing a bunch. There's a ton of great instructors. Mickey Shook will be there. I know a lot of you guys know Mickey Shook. He's one of our instructors as well for the three days. So you're not going to want to miss it. Come and enjoy three days of amazing training with like-minded people. It's going to be an awesome time. Last year was phenomenal. Our first time ever. This year's going to even be, be even better. And you can count on us doing these annually going forward as well. So if you can't make this one for whatever reason, we hope to see you next year too. But guys, go to guardianconference.com. Check out everything there. The, uh, the instructors list, uh, the, the, the itinerary of everything there, and get signed up today. Guardianconference.com. All right. Let's go ahead and bring in our special guest today. So here I have with me Dave Matheny, who's the CEO of Silencer Shop. So if there's anybody that can talk about Silencer Shop, what you do, and the whole process involved with buying and getting through all the paperwork involved with obtaining suppressors, uh, I think Dave might know a thing or two. So hello, Dave. Hey, how are you doing, Riley? Very well, thank you. 
so, Dave, uh, we, we've had this on the schedule here for a few weeks now. I've been actually chomping at the bit to uh, be able to, to do this episode with you because not only have I been through the process of buying silencers and, and, and applying, you know, and, you know, using your amazing software for that process, uh, but you know, I, I actually got one in hand and, and I've got it and it, it's, it's, it's awesome. Like I, I wonder why I didn't do it sooner is all, it was always kind of on my, my roadmap, so to speak. It was like, oh, I'm going to get one someday. And I just kind of kept pushing it off, putting it off, putting it off. And, uh, you, you, you can't just buy one, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I get that first one in and like six weeks later, I'm <laughs> back buying another one. Especially uh, the first one. You're like, Oh, I get this now, you know, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, you know the other thing too is like when you don't when you haven't been through the process already, uh, there's a lot of these kind of unknowns in your mind. You're like, ah, I'm just not sure I want to deal with all the drama, headache, all the procedural stuff, whatever that is. Well, all these things in your mind, you're just like, ah, I'll cross that bridge when I cross that bridge, and uh, then you go through it and you and use Silencer Shop uh, to, to help you with that process, and you're like, uh, wow, I really could have done this years ago. It was really no big deal. So Dave, uh, we got you here uh, for, for about the next hour. Tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got to be in the position you are, and a little bit about Silencer Shop. You know, it really, my background is is technology, right? I was a computer programmer for, for more than 20 years. It's a at the time, and my, my son also, as, as a backstory, he was born 100% deaf in his right ear. So about the time he got to a point, and I've got two girls and a boy, but about the time he got to a point where he was wanting to go hunting with me, we realized that, you know, you get a you get a 10-year-old kid in a hunting blind. They don't want to wear the muffs for hours at a time. They're uncomfortable. They're kind of bouncing off the walls. Normal kid stuff. And we realized we needed a way to protect his hearing in his good ear, right? That was more reliable than the muffs. So I went and got bought a silencer, bought it online, you know, in you know the early, early 2000s mm. and uh, transferred it to a local dealer. And I tell you what, the situation, it, it went south fast, right? It was he went out of business, actually, during the during the transfer. Yeah, I was lucky I got it. It was a I actually had to corner him kind of at his storage unit in a like the, the very last possible day for me to pick up. Otherwise, I would have lost it. Wow. So I thought after I got that one, shot it, loved it. I went out and bought a second one from a dealer who'd been in business for years. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is the experience went almost the same. It was different problems, but still filled with problems. They would not help me with paperwork. Of course, I got errors on it because I had no clue what I was doing. Right. Instead of an approval, I got a you know an error letter, you know, however many months later. At the time, it wasn't as slow as it is now, but it was still slow. <laughs> then they wouldn't help me with the error letter because they're like, "Well, you filled it out wrong, so you you do you fix it, figure it out." <laughs> and right. then to make even the worst part of it is once it, I got it all through all of it, and I went to pick up my silencer, and it was I don't know if you remember AAC the brand. It's a it was an AAC Prodigy. I bought a Gen three. I thought. And he had had like a Gen 1 sitting on a shelf in the back. And that's what he actually handed me. But I'd waited and it was registered to me. So that's the can that I still have. Right. Nice. It was a. And then I thought, man, I, I'm just going to help people in the local area. And man, I hopefully I'm not going on too long about this. No, no, but no, I no, thought, no. I like <laughs> I thought I'm going to help people in the local area do transfers. I can help them fill out paperwork. 
I still had my job. I was working at VMware as a programmer. And, uh, and man, I tell you, it just exploded. I, I had no idea how much pent up demand there was for somebody to simplify the silencer buying process. It caught me off guard. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. So when, when did, uh, when did silencer shop come to be? It was 2010. Mm-hmm. We launched in 2010. Nice. Nice. So that, that was right up your alley then as a, as a programmer, as a tech guy. Uh, I, I imagine that made it a little bit easier for you to figure some of that out. Like a person could have the idea, but you know, it surely helps if you have some of the know-how to, how yeah. to put that together. <laughs> and you know, for the first year, I really thought hobby business, right? I, it took me a while to get that off my, out of my mind, but it's, so I was still working full-time at VMware and doing silencer shop. And most of the original code was actually written for me to make it to where I could do both, right? I'm trying to automate the process mm. so I could manage a growing business and work a full-time job. It was, it was a crazy year. So when did you uh, leave VMware? Uh, I left them about a year and a half after I started. So that would have been probably about towards the end of 2011. Nice. So yeah, that man, yeah. what's that? So you haven't looked back since? No, no, I love it. You know, I, I never thought I'd be a business owner, but but I really do love it. That's awesome. And you guys are based in Austin, Texas, is that? Yep, right? that's right. And uh, have a pretty good office of uh, folks down there, I imagine, helping you? You know, we have got just an absolutely phenomenal crew right now. The best group of people that we've ever had in every department. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's good to be surrounded by a good team. Uh, certainly can can appreciate that. Uh, thinking of my own team that is just on the other side of some of these walls here right now, uh, slaving away. <laughs> uh, now they're doing doing awesome stuff. So uh, I, I love hearing that story about yours. And in, in fact, uh, including your son there with uh, you know not having he- hearing in his one ear. Uh, I kind of actually wish that my business partner Jacob was with us on this because he can relate to that. He got really? a bad, he got a bad infection many years ago that uh, he ended up losing. Uh, most of the hearing in, in one of his ears as well. In fact, I think in his right ear. And uh, so he is very sensitive to the, 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 the topic of, I've only got so much hearing available to me. I'm already disadvantaged to some, to, to some degree. So I want to make sure I take care of what I, I do have. And I'm at a point now too, where in my own background, in my career, I've spent part of my career uh, working in noisy environments. Uh, working on construction sites, uh, various uh, industrial type and in, you know in, environments as well, and I recognize I've lost you know some of my hearing. Uh, you know, there was a time in the younger years you're just not very smart about it because you yeah. don't think about it and you think you're young and and uh, uh, you know you you can't be killed and you can't be you know you're just invincible. <laughs> I still uh, sort of feel that way, <laughs> yeah. but not yeah. with my hearing. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, there's that, that moment you, you kind of come to your senses and I'm like, wait a minute, huh? I think I, I, I think I've lost some of my hearing, you know, like I, okay. So I have what I have. I can't get it back. I got to take care of that. So uh, I've doubled up in terms of hearing protection for a number of years now, especially in the indoor environments. I know Jacob, my business partner, is super uh, careful about that as well, but silencers are such a great solution in that regard as well. So yeah. So let's let's talk. I mean, silencers have been around for over a hundred years uh, as a concept. Yep. Uh, and, and, and let me actually address you real quick. A lot of people are like silencers, suppressors. Uh, obviously, your your company name is Silencer Shop. 
And that, that tends to be this, this debate sometimes in the community, like, oh, let's use the proper name, suppressor. And I'm like, hey, bro, if you look at some of the original patents on silencers, they were called silencers. And in the NFA, they use the word silencer. So, no. yes. And can we put that to rest a little bit? I used to hear more complaints along those lines, yeah. but it's to me, I feel like both are right. Suppressor is the correct technical term. They are not silent. Anybody who's ever shot one knows that. Yep. But on the flip side, legally, they are silencers. And it doesn't matter whether you don't want to call them silencers or not. They are legally called silencers. Yep. 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 Yeah. And, and I, I was kind of thinking about this actually before we uh, went on air, uh, just kind of thinking about terminology and how that's because I agree with you. I think that uh, I've heard less debate about that in recent years. Yeah. I'd like to think that it just the fact that more and more people than probably ever before are buying silencers and probably more and more people are familiar with your brand. And I, I'd like to think that maybe you think that way, too, that, that, that you know, silencer shop has uh, played somewhat of a role in some of that uh, you know, terminology. I think so. Although we use the two, two interchangeably. It's, yeah. I could throw both out in the same sentence, just depending on how the sentence flows, right? Yep, yep. So at one time in America, a guy could just, you know, walk into a store, I imagine, or probably mail order, probably just be like, I want that thing that goes on the end of that barrel that makes that. From Montgomery Ward. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, going through the old catalog, like, oh, yeah, I'll take one of those. Let me fill That's up right. a form here and mail that in and wait six weeks or whatever. Yeah, back then you had to wait because, you know, the, the, the snail mail, not right. because the ATF was involved. But uh, um, how did, I mean, can you kind of recite for us a little bit historically what what's happened there with respect to suppressors? You know, it's a suppressors. They sort of got caught in what I consider to be just an accident of history. Right. It's a, there was a lot of debate around in the 1920s, early 1930s about gun control. I mean, honestly, it's the very same stuff you hear today, which is what's the most scary about the talk today. Back then they were arguing about revolvers should, shouldn't be legal. And today, today they're saying, well, of course revolvers are okay until they get rid of the other guns. Right. Is they want to get rid of everything. But the, uh, the Supreme court actually came down on the side of not, uh, regulating firearms because Congress wanted to get rid of handguns altogether. Then they came out with the National Firearms Act in 1934, and that actually included a bunch of stuff that was kind of thrown in to kind of take a step towards regulating handguns. Short barrel rifles came from that. Short barrel shotguns, um, big machine guns were in there because of you know a lot of the stuff that was happening in the 20s. And then they threw in silencers because. Basically, somebody had the logic of, well, we want to prevent poaching. It wasn't anything to do with crime. It wasn't anything. Well, I guess poaching is a crime. It wasn't anything right. to do with like robberies or murder or assassinations. That's just not what they were thought of as. But the public actually understood them better at that point. Right. So then in 1934, it became so hard to get them. There's a $200 tax. They have to be federally registered. And you go you know, 80, 90 years of nobody having access to them. And all you have to go on as an average citizen is TV. So now you've got James Bond and all these other, you know, spy movies that are defining what a silencer is incorrectly. 
my the my my favorite comparison, and I don't know if other people understand this or think of it the same way as I do, but in the 1980s, 1970s, if you got in a car wreck on TV, your car exploded. That's just <laughs> what happened, right? right? But everybody owned cars, so everybody knew that wasn't real. With silencers, you had what happened on TV and nobody owned them. So everybody just assumes that what's on TV is correct. It's almost like propaganda, right? Yeah. Anyway. Well, you know, and, and again, back to 1934, this $200 tax stamp is implemented. And that's like $4,300 in today's yeah. dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's no joke, right? <laughs> it's a, that they were really trying to, they went as far as they could with, reg, with banning them through a super high tax. Yeah, became a rich man's game. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and, and so like today, you know, and that's speaking of like reasons that someone might kind of delay on, you know, putting their paperwork in for uh, a silencer, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, it's an extra $200. I mean, you know, like, ah, it's kind of, you know, that, that angers me or whatever. It's like, can you imagine in 1934, you're all of a sudden you're like, I want one of those, but the thing costs 25 bucks in the catalog, but... <laughs> Yeah, or at least it did last week, and now it's this. But I got to go pay four thousand dollars in a tax. Yeah, it just killed the market. Yeah. So really, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons I think we we've seen an increase in popularity. A lot of different reasons, but certainly the fact that fortunately the 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 tax itself hasn't been increased in almost a hundred years. So as inflation has occurred, uh, it's gotten a lot more achievable for the average folk. Yeah, still expensive, but not, you know, I'll, I'll fly on flights where the tax is more than $200. So it's not, it's not out of the realm of normalcy now, right? Which is, I don't know if that's saying it's a sad statement, but that is kind of how things are gone. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah. Okay. Here's the other thing. I, I, that's right. I was thinking about this a minute ago. Just to put it in perspective, a lot of people don't, realize that in a lot of the rest of the world including in some some in some surprising places suppressors you could buy right over the counter you know i i actually a few years ago i we took our kids hunting in africa south africa and man i tell you to get a gun there you have to jump through hoops sign forms i mean it's like it is a huge process but once you've got the gun you go to the hardware store Pay ten bucks, they make one for you. Throw it, thread your barrel, throw it on, and you're good to go. It's like not regulated at all. That's how most of the world treats these. It's just yep. a, it's an accessory, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the sad part. Of, the sad truth is that it really is just an accessory because, in and of by itself, like it doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no inherent danger to it. So it's just remarkable, like you said, kind of recounting the history, how people were of the mind, like, well, poaching is an issue. It was, it was the Depression era. So that it, poaching really was an issue uh, during that time. People were struggling to find work, struggle, maybe struggling to put food on the table. And it's like, well, I can step out my back door here and take that deer, you know, right, um, or whatever. And so uh, it's just interesting how we've ended up where we are because of some some logic like that. But. Such it is. And, and of course, there's been efforts in uh, even in relatively recent history of trying to get legislation passed to remove 
suppressors from the NFA, uh, which hasn't happened yet. And right. maybe, maybe it won't happen anytime soon, but so it's definitely worth uh, continuing to fight for that, that cause. I think. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, I think it'll happen at some someday. I don't think it's going to be soon. I think it's 10 to 15 years out. If this market can continue to grow the way it has and they become more normalized and more people understand them, yep. at some point they'll come out of the NFA. It's just yep. we need that market growth first, right? Because you need people to understand what they are and what they aren't. Yep. Well, that's what's so, what's so remarkable about what Silencer Shop and you guys are doing uh, because you are really in a big way, I think, helping that market grow. Uh, and frankly, I, I'm going to tell you here on air, like, thank you for what you do. So at this point, like, let's kind of shift into that a little bit and talk about the actual process. Can you now outline for us what is the, not necessarily like in the context of science or shops process, but just in general, what is the process for buying a suppressor? You know, it's really, and I will talk about our process. It really, it, it, it it's pretty simple. Right. So essentially you buy the silencer, which is the, the funny thing is this always, it confuses a lot of people. A lot of people assume they have to register for it first and then buy it. But uh, you buy the silencer first, there's a $200 tax. Uh, we handle all the paperwork. So there's, you know, we submit, you know, fingerprints, photos, fill out all the paperwork, get everything signed where it needs to be. And then we push it all into ATF's new electronic submission system, which lost last it launched last December. Once it's in there, then the customer has to go online with their dealer. And we have we have a platform that lets you do it remotely so that you schedule with your dealer. They log in, you log in, and you can both be certifying this form at the same time. And once it's certified, it's just it's a waiting game, right? You wait, you know, currently just under six months. Hopefully that'll get back down to 90 days. But it's a uh, honestly, it's it's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot to it. It's right. a lot of waiting and collecting data. ATF actually estimates, uh, and it, man, I tell you, this is going from memory a little bit. But I believe their current estimation to collect the data is roughly two hours, and to submit the form is another two hours. So it's that's their estimated time. Using our process, you're really looking at minutes, right? It's it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like before anything like Silencer Shop existed, if you were doing this on your own, uh, you'd probably get, I don't know, I, I imagine, I guess you'd go online. I, that wouldn't have always been possible, but uh, but you'd download an f- uh, application, a form, you know, and you'd fill that out and you'd have to go get fingerprints. And so like most people would be like, well, where do I do that? Well, maybe your sheriff's office does it. Maybe That's what I did. I drove to my sheriff's department. And had them just done there. Yeah. But you just have to do that. And you got to take time yeah. out of your work day to go do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, and for me, it's get... like, that's two hours. Right. And you're a busy guy. And it's like, I don't have two hours every single time I buy a silencer to go get my prints done. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And you'd have to get a passport style photo and all this other stuff. Right. Like, and you're doing that primarily on your own and you're trying to follow all these rules. It's like what you said, when you apply for your very first one, you got some errors in the, in the paperwork. Uh, I can only imagine that would happen. Like I'd, I'd probably make errors if I was doing it on my own. Yeah. And you know, it's just, nobody's guiding you. Right. And ATF instructions are horrible <laughs> and they're, they change the interpretation of them just based on their mood. Right. And this is the kind of stuff that we, we deal with just because ATF, 
does change requirements more than you would think. And it's just that's us writing our own software makes us, we just tweak it in the software and we're good. Right. Yep. Yep. So now, so let, let, let's now focus a little bit more on exactly what you do, what your services provide. For, I'm going to share kind of from my perspective what my experience was like. And then if you want to expand on any of those areas, I think that would be really, really cool too. But I remember my first one, which was before the eForms 4. Uh, so essentially my understanding was, I mean, I went to a, to a SOT, you know, holding dealer uh, that had a silencer shop kiosk and, you know, literally like a, like, like an ATM machine. Right. And I'm standing there and he's like, okay, we're doing fingerprints. I mean, I put in some information obviously. Right. Um, but, and, and obviously there was information that was filled out online when, when the actual, uh, you know, when I actually bought the uh, stuff online on your website, but you know, he's like, all right, we're going to do fingerprints. And sure enough, there you go. You got like a legit electronic fingerprint machine built into that thing, which is awesome. And so you just do your fingerprints and a photo is uploaded and that's, that's attached to your file. I was there like 15 minutes tops after hours too, like 6 PM, you know, how, whatever the hours of your dealer is. Right. Right. So, you know, went in after work, do the thing. I'm there like 15, 20 minutes. Most of that's probably just yapping at him, you know, like, Hey, how's it going, buddy? And then, uh, I'm out. Right. And then a week and maybe not even a week later, he calls me up. He's like, all right, it's time to, time to certify. Okay. You know, log in. I'm on my computer remotely. He's on his, we're doing the thing. And, Oh, actually that would be the new eForms thing too. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, like I, I, I just remember this, the process from my point of view is like everything all in 20 minutes tops, you know, yeah, super easy sign some things electronically, but what you were doing before the eForm 4 system was launched in December, like you said, you would take all this information electronically from the buyer and you still had to generate all that paperwork in paper form, right? Oh yeah. And people don't realize it's like, <laughs> man, I tell you what, we'll ship minimum of a thousand form fours per day. Right. And and we've got three printers running nonstop. All three printers are certified by the FBI to print fingerprint cards. And it is just generating paperwork. And we've got people scanning stuff into boxes and verifying everything's going out. Our system verifies when the ATF clears the check. So we know they received everything in the box. Right. It's just a massive paperwork business, right? Now with e-forms, there's a lot less paperwork involved, which is honestly, it's, it's nice. The printers, it's like, we're not sure what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> we have more office printers than anybody in any modern business. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if there's a business guru out there, that's like, I need a recommendation on the best pr printers out there. Like they yeah. <laughs> give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, you know, I will say ATF launched their e-form system originally back in 2013 and it crashed in 2014 and it just came online again. So we're holding on to our printers because you never know. ATF, <laughs> they could just flip the switch back at any time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now um, behind the scenes, is there still some paperwork then that you have to generate or is it as everything you submit electronic? Almost everything is electronic. There are a few exceptions. So we have uh, anytime you have a transfer between private parties, like 
let's say you sell silencer to your friend Bob down the street, we actually can handle that transfer. We don't advertise it, but we do them and we print them because eForms doesn't support it. Mm-hmm. Uh, form ones, we have actually been printing them, but we're getting ready to move those back into eForms. So that's actually coming pretty quickly, which will be exciting. Mm-hmm. And really, other than that, there's we're still dealing with, you know, kind of the remnants of the old paper world because it's only been six months, right? Mm-hmm. Has it only been six months? I guess it's been eight months now. So still. Eight, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we don't print very much. Those printers that I sit idle at this point. That's good. It's good. Yeah. And, and it's good for it's good for the ATF, I would like to think. It should make yeah. their life a little simpler. Uh, it, it's good for the environment. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's that's a lot of paper that's not getting produced. So that's good. Um, so actually, so speaking of uh, form ones, you mentioned you got e form ones about maybe to come back online at some point. Does yep. that mean that like if I wanted to go ahead and make an SBR that we could uh, we could do that through you then as well? Yep, that is that's right. We we were doing form ones back in. I'll get my years mixed up. I believe it was 2019. And, and man, you have to think ATF in the year before that, and hopefully my year's right, but the year before ATF received a total of 5,000 form ones for the mm-hmm. entire year. Oh, wow. And, and we brought our service online, had written guidance. Here's how to do it. Worked with ATF to enable the process. And in the very first day, we did a thousand of them. It's a an ATF basically went into panic mode and forced us to shut it down. It was actually a big issue and a big problem, but it was pretty much all around volume. Now, the, now ATF can handle the volume. They've got a new system that kind of supports these processes, and uh, we should be able to bring it back online again. That's really cool to hear. That makes me really happy, actually. Uh, and uh, based on certain current proposed rules and things, that might actually become really relevant too. You know, I you're yes. aware of that. I man, I tell you, what a you know, I feel like that's just government overreach. I don't want to get into that, but it's like sure. yeah. they're just passing rules, making stuff up. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100%. But let's talk now, so shifting gears a little bit, uh, about, because you don't, I mean, it's not just about handling the paperwork associated with the Form 4 that's filed, but let's talk about trusts. And that's another really cool and critical component, I think, that you offer. You know, I, I will say, and that's one of the one of the coolest things that I feel like we've done. And we have two trust products, which who knows is probably confusing. We have one that's a standard trust for people that want to put all their family on it and do it just like you've always done it, right? Since I before I got into this business. But then we've got the single shot trust, which is just a fantastic way to buy a silencer. And you know, they're twenty five bucks a piece, so they're super cheap. Every time you buy something, you throw a single shot trust on it digitally sign it, go through the process as if you were registering as an individual. And when it gets approved, you can just write your friends and family and whoever else you want to have possession onto the trust. It's like the reverse of what the trust has traditionally been. It's just a, to me, I feel like if I were to say there's one way that every single person should register a silencer, it would be the single shot trust. It makes it so much easier and so much more flexible. And I completely 100% agree. And like, again, the process, as you run that through your system is so seamless. 
you don't even like you you buy the trust the single shot trust and like i basically forget about it <laughs> yeah no there's yes there's some signs some or some signatures and like you said that, that obviously occur but all electronically and uh you know when that paperwork finally shows up that approved form four and you're like oh hey look blah 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 whatever serial number trust like yeah cool <laughs> you know like that's like the first time that you had that realization like oh yeah that's right i, I established a trust to acquire right. this <laughs> yep no it, and then you just like i said you just write people onto it. it it could not be simpler it's a it's a great way to buy a silencer yeah yeah absolutely uh, revolutionized i think uh that aspect of of it because like you said i mean if i bought it as an individual and then something happens to me I mean, I can leave it to somebody, but the, yeah. that somebody's going to have to go through all the same process, you know, to, to you know, to wait six, nine, 12, 14 months to, yeah. uh, to finally get that in the possession. Yeah. And there's a, and you would do a form five in that case. So it's just, there's no tax stamp, but it is all the same paperwork. But yeah. the, the case I always think of with a, as an individual, let's say you're, you know, you're married. You've got it on a home defense gun. You're not home, but your wife ends up in a situation where she has to use it. She's committing a felony there. If you register as an individual, she can't have possession of it. And it's a, to me, that's just something I, I just don't want to risk. It gives you, even the kids, a lot of times you'll hear the argument from the kids who are in their 20s that are first getting into guns that I'm not married. I'm good. I, I just put it on as an individual. Man, almost everybody gets married at some point. <laughs> Yeah. That's a, it's just statistics, right? Yeah, it's a, it'll catch up with you, you know, it's a, and then you're going to want to start adding people. Yep. Yep. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And again, uh, 25 bucks. I mean, I can't yeah. even get on the phone with my attorney for 25 bucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> and for people that buy a lot, we have an unlimited version. It's just $130 and basically every silencer you buy from us forever gets a single shot on it. So if you're going to buy more than, I guess more than five, you come out ahead that way. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think I've just done the individual, uh, you know, one by one single shots. And I kind of was thinking about that. Uh, maybe I'll do the, you know, lifetime deal, but you know, I don't mind sending, sending you my money. I'll be honest. Yeah. We'll just, it's again, it's 25 bucks. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, here you go. That's right. I, I really appreciate the service. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So, but like you said, you know, maybe, maybe guys thinking they're going to do, you know, 20 suppressors or something. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> that's right. Maybe, maybe I'll get there eventually. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, let's talk a, a little bit about, uh, let's talk about your inventory, you know, and, and cause like we've talked about the process, but you're also a, a sales, you know, uh, company, like you're selling suppressors through your website. And to be clear, anybody listening, like it is kind of like, uh, you know, the, there was some journalist that did something with Daniel Defense, how they went on Daniel Defense's website. Like, look, I just bought an AR-15 right off a website, you know? And it's like, yeah. And then it went to a dealer. Anyway, same, yeah. same sort of thing with with uh, suppressor purchases. Um, but you guys sell, I mean, dang near everything. Uh, and so if there's something you're looking for, why don't you talk a, a little bit about that? Some of the brands maybe, or some of the, some of the things that you think are, are really exciting as far as uh, products that you sell. Yeah, you know, we, we really do. We sell pretty much all of the major brands and stock 
all of the products that, that really anybody would want to look at. It's a, all the good stuff, essentially. The, we are in the process, which is great for us. We're in the process of moving to a new building. So we've had over the last year, year and a half, we've had to manage our inventory levels so thin that it's just a, it's hard to keep everything in stock, right? We just don't have the space. Our new building, we legitimately will. So we'll have a lot more in stock. We'll be stocked a lot deeper. And we'll, we're there are a few more products we're going to add to the lineup, especially accessories. That's awesome. That's exciting to hear, too, because, I mean, it's not like suppressors take up a whole lot of space. So you if, you're getting that. Even, <laughs> if, you're, if you're getting an even bigger uh, space, then like that just means way more suppressors you can probably uh, have on hand. Right now, we stock about 20,000 at any given time. It's a, we'll be able to have roughly five times that in going into our new space. So it's, it's going to be awesome. That is awesome. And I've noticed too, like it, there was one in particular that I was interested in and, and it wasn't in stock at the time. And I was like, well, I'll just set a, you know, in stock notification, whatever thing. And that worked flawlessly. And like 10 days later, boom, in stock. I'm like, oh, dang, I'll go buy that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that was really nice too. Yeah. No, it's a, it, it is, it'd be nice to have it all in stock though. That, that's our goal with the, with the new, with the new building. Yeah. So how, how much are you, are you doubling? Are you tripling? How much bigger? No, it, it's actually, it'll be about five times bigger. It's a, oh. we, it, we've got a, it's 26,000 square feet sitting on five acres. We own it instead of leasing. So it'll be a, give us room to expand as well. Right. It's going to be pretty awesome. We're excited to move. Oh, congratulations to you. When, when, when is that supposed to occur? If all goes well, our shipping department will actually be moved next month. The, uh, the rest of the company, probably not till, yeah, probably around the end of the year. Wow. That's exciting. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Very good. Very good. That, that, that is always exciting. Uh, man, I remember thinking when we expanded here from 2,200 feet to 4,400. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you double, you're like, wow, like we have double the space. <laughs> I know. And you fill it, right? It's just, that's, that's how it goes. Yep. Yep. So true. So true. What do you find are, I mean, we've talked about a lot of different things, right? You know, up to this point, what do you find are some of the more common, you know, other misconceptions or questions maybe people might have that you feel maybe is helpful to maybe get some answers or information out about? You know, a lot of, you know, I, I, anymore, most of my shooting is actually either reloading or hunting, right? Mm-hmm. It's my, the things I enjoy doing, but you, you're out hunting and you run into a lot of people that have this idea that somehow it's an unfair event, right? It's a, and man, I tell you, they, they, it just couldn't be more raw for hunting. Silencers are like the ultimate safety device. Because you're going to have most hunters and I, hog hunting is like an exception, but you know, any other type of hunting, you're going to be out there all day long, possibly all week long. You're going to take one shot, maybe two, right? So you don't wear your muffs. You don't wear plugs. You're, you're just enjoying being outside. That's what hunting is about. And I tell you what, you throw that can on there, just get a short weight, a short lightweight one. Doesn't make the gun any more unwieldy. If, you, if, like I said, if you get a small light one, and yet you take that shot, you're not going to cause permanent hearing damage to yourself. 
Yep. And like it, it's frustrating to me, especially hunting with kids, where a lot of the youth hunting like leaders that are that are managing the sport are still of that mindset where it's somehow an unfair advantage. Right. So yep. that, that that's the main thing I that comes to my mind at this moment. Yeah. That's a really that's a really great great point. Uh and I will say that having hunted since I was a young, young lad. Uh, and I haven't hunted yet personally with a suppressor on my rifle. Uh, it's something I still want to be able to, uh, to accomplish at some point here, yeah. relatively near future. Uh, once I, uh, probably set up a new rifle for that purpose. It just hasn't been a priority yet, but when I, but I have hunted with people that had suppressors on their rifles and it made me jealous. They're awesome, right? <laughs> you know? it's, a, it's a total game changer. Like, like I said, you enjoy being outside. There's no worry at all about your hearing, especially with a bolt action gun. Like, man, you're going to take one shot. You're good. You know, even the heaviest calibers, it's a, it's completely within the comfort zone of loudness. Yep. What's, what's your recommendation as far as, you know, talking about different calibers of rifles or whatever, or different calibers of, of suppressors. Um, do you generally recommend that? I mean, like, let's say uh, I've got a 30 caliber rifle. I've got a 7 mm. Uh, I probably probably end up doing one a 6.5. Uh, if a person want, I guess, an all around can. Obviously, they could they could choose something a little bit oversized, I guess, for those other calibers. Uh, but kind of, what's been your approach? Uh, do you like having a bunch of different cans, a bunch of different calibers, or ones? You know. I, I think initially when people first get into the market, the go-to approach tends to be, I want to do it all can, right? I'm going to buy one. It's going to run on everything. I'm only ever going to buy one. And that's great. The, uh, the key to that, if you want to be happy with your purchase, is make sure that can fits well on at least one gun. Mm-hmm. People take that all in one so far that let's say you only shoot AR-15s. It's five, five, six caliber, and you buy a can with a forty-five caliber board. I tell you what, it's going to be giant, and it is not going to be quiet. That's just fact of life. You're not going to be happy with your can, right? Yep. It's a. It just has to fit something well because down the road, people tend to migrate to, you know, here's a silencer for each gun, right? And and that's that's where I'm at. For me, it's like, am I? Hunting rifles, I prioritize short and light over quiet, a hundred percent. Because I, I just don't want to haul something around that's going to get in my way, right? Yeah. And, and what are you seeing as far as you know? When we talk about weight, uh, what are you seeing are kind of some of the top options in the marketplace? I mean, there, I know there's obviously there's titanium ones. Uh, I'm starting to see more and more, you know, or a few manufacturers that are doing or that are printing them which yeah uh, you know making them out of various materials uh through uh uh printing them which is remarkable versus you know actually having to machine stuff uh what are you when you say short and light what, what comes to mind for you like what do you see that that works you know, that really well there are a couple i will say most of my hunting guns are actually set up with a rugged radiant mm-hmm. it's a it's a 30 cal can short light you know, it's, it's, it's short and light, so it's not the quietest can out there, right? But it's a, just a fantastic hunting can. The one that I've been really getting into lately is that CGS Helios. And that's a 3D printed can. And it's a, 
I have one of my favorite calibers for hunting up north in the northern U.S. is uh, the 280 Ackley, seven millimeter. Mm. Yep, yep. And man, I tell you that Helios is probably the single best seven millimeter can ever made. Mm. Just a, and it is it is light, it is short, and it's also quiet. It is just a fantastic suppressor. You know, you've got lots of other. You know, in the six five caliber you mentioned, uh, Q makes their jumbo shrimp. It's a that's another four six five, just unbelievably great option. But you get into like the all-in-ones that most people are looking for, for like the 30 cal that's going to run on everything. Man, like the Dead Air Nomad. Uh, Silencer Code's got several options. There are a lot of good 30 cal cans out there that kind of fit that mold. I don't mean to give away all my favorites. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make somebody mad in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you know, uh, uh, that's that's good stuff. I mean, and hopefully it gives some people some starting points points uh and again folks you can go to scienceofshot.com you can see the full lineup of inventory that you guys carry and uh and, and read reviews and stuff too you know there's there's good info as far as that goes uh so uh, you know use those resources uh, to to uh, to the to your full advantage what other uh, kind of uh, resources i guess talking about resources so you got a lot of other information on your site uh, what are the things you want to highlight you know we, we're always trying to improve and add more it's a, but basically just, we really focus on videos, articles, trying to put out content that's helpful. We try to pay attention to what people are asking online, in the forums, in our emails to us. And we try to answer those questions more generically in blog articles. So there, over the years, we've got a lot of information. If you just peruse the site, but we've got it everywhere though. It's YouTube, Facebook, our website. We just, shotgun information out <laughs> as much as we can really even including stuff like this right where where you're you're putting out really great information so no we we all we all try we all try our best i hope yeah um that's this is great so um man you know i'm trying to think like what haven't we talked about yet if anything well you know, I, I can't think of it. It's a, you know, I, I let, let me just just really quick on the on the AR side, and this is, yeah. you know, it's guns that are good to suppress, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a. I think most people will get that, and you know, I guess I don't see it as much as I used to, but people get the AR fifteen, and you kind of have this perception that oh, the AR fifteen is supersonic, so you can't suppress it. Everybody's heard that. I think in a lot of ways, it's just accepted fact. But the reality is, I, I am convinced the supersonic is not what makes the Air 15 hard to suppress. And it's a, the problem is, I mean, it is a fast bullet. It's a fast cycling gun. But you have a lot of sound coming out that ejection port being pumped straight into your ear. Because if you were to take that exact same bullet, moving the same speed out of a bolt-action rifle with a suppressor, it is comfortable to shoot, mm-hmm. right? That crack does add to the sound, but it doesn't make it uncomfortable. So then you get into the rounds that are, you know, made for the AR-15 that are great to suppress. So like, like the 300 blackout, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and I don't know if you've heard about that new uh, 8.6 blackout yep. that, uh, that Kevin's pushing. Yep. And uh, I'm excited. I'm actually taking that on a, on a bear hunt here in about a month. I'm, I'm excited to see how it does. That's cool. But it, it's funny how the, indus- 
Well, yeah. <laughs> it's funny how the industry steps up and kind of provides what customers are looking for, right? This is a great platform, easy to use, great for hunting, but also suppress as well, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm rambling. Yeah, speaking of ARs, oh, no, I, uh, <laughs> rambling's encouraged because uh, I feel like there's so much we can learn from you. Uh, speaking of ARs, uh, I think this is probably something that maybe – if a person's new to suppressors, they might not be aware of or think about. Uh, so maybe you could, you know, add some context to this as well. But if you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe, well, okay. So let me back up. We've talked quite a bit about like hunting rifles and suppressing those, and obviously some advantages there. And yeah, I mean, like you're shooting one or two shots maybe in a hunting trip, and and so that that's that's one thing to think about. But maybe you're putting one on an AR-15. Maybe that gets a fair amount of use, you know, in terms of volume from you. So maybe what are some of the considerations for guns that are going to be a little bit more high volume use? You know, really, you'll find cans that are made for that purpose. The ones that are marketed correctly tend to be just a little bit heavier. They don't have to be bigger. But generally, you don't. Titanium is not a good choice for that, right? It's just it just isn't. It's a, and the companies that market titanium cans as full auto rated are being, I don't know what the right word is, uh, misleading at best. Right. But the, uh, I think you start getting into stellite and, you know, stainless steel, some of the materials like that, they'll hold up 150,000 rounds and, you know, more than most people will ever shoot, even in a high volume gun. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's really what you want to look for. The other thing is, a lot of people will come to us and say, man, I've got this rifle can. How do you take it apart and clean it? Mm. And I tell you what, that's one thing for me on a rifle can. If it comes apart for cleaning, I will not buy it because mm. they don't need to be cleaned. They run quieter when they're a little bit dirty and there's enough pressure thrown that they stay clean, right? It keeps the carbon buildup from getting too much. People will do more damage to their suppressors cleaning them than they ever do shooting them. It, it's the craziest thing, yet people insist on doing, right? Now, rimfire cans, that's a different story. Those you have to clean. Mm -hmm. But rifle cans, just uh, don't do not do it, right? Yeah. Do, do you ever find or run into people that do end up maybe needing a, a can to be rebuilt? And, like, if so, maybe what are some ways of going about that? Or if you that's know, an option? No, no, it, it is. Most of the manufacturers have a lifetime warranty. For that exact reason. And the reason they can give those lifetime warranties and still make money is because, like I said before, especially on rifle cans, you could go 150,000 rounds before you start seeing a decrease in performance. Mm -hmm. Send it back to them. Most of them can either knock the core out or cut it off and put a new one on. And uh, pretty straightforward. And it's worth it for them to make customers feel comfortable in this investment, right? Because it's... Two hundred dollars in a in a potentially a year long wait feels like an investment. It just does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's an investment in patience. And, That's right. Yeah. In today's society, where you know we order things on Amazon, and geez, I just ordered something yesterday. This just blew our minds here at the shop. We needed some something here in the shop, and and it was ordered at eleven a.m. We went to lunch. Kind of, we don't do it every day with all the guys. We went to lunch yesterday. We came back at twelve forty five. And Amazon had delivered the thing we ordered at 11. It was like, wow. Yeah. How <laughs> like, did that even happen? That's amazing, Amazon. But you're spoiling all the rest of us. And you're making it harder on those of us that actually – because I have a fulfillment warehouse here. you know, and 
People start expecting me to ship things in two hours. Well, it's not shipping in two hours. That you can do. It's delivering in two hours. Right, right. That's what, yeah. That's what Good luck with that, right? It's a, Amazon is is in their own class. I'll tell them. I'll give them that. As far as buying suppressors online, uh, you're kind of like the Amazon of suppressors. So that's, that's what we've said almost since the beginning. Just trying to simplify the process down to where it's kind of that level of just easy, right? Yeah. I mean, the first time you buy a silencer through our system, you go through the kiosk, like I mentioned before, and like you talked about. But after that, you're you're good. You buy yeah. the silencer, and it's ready to go, right? That that we only have to collect your fingerprints once. We only need your photo once a year, and we have a mobile app for that. So we try to keep that as streamlined and simple as possible, and the process really shines on the second one. Yeah. Oh, and that's a great point. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I was, I, as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, duh. Like everything is stored in your system. Yes. And with, so let's see, with uh, not the second one, the third one, there was in between my second and third applications, my photo had expired. Yeah. But that was the only thing I had to update. I went in and I just, you know, stood in front of a white wall. My wife's like, snap. And I'm like, Yep, that that meets the requirements, <laughs> best I can tell. Upload that; it got accepted. Everything, you know, like yeah. that was it. Upload a new photo, and application was uh, sent in and certified. And I mean, just easy. Yeah, so easy. Yeah, and we, and we really try to keep that as streamlined as possible because we every time there's a change on the account, we, you know, our our compliance team will review it. So it's just if there aren't any changes on your account, nothing got updated, things just flow through with no user interaction. I mean, it got approved the previous time. It was already reviewed. So we, we just move with it, right? Mm -hmm. It's really fast. Mm -hmm. Do you, are, now this may be difficult to answer. I don't know, but um, talking about speed of approvals, is there anything out there, uh, whether it's number of times a person's applied or if it's number, if it's applying with multiple applications at the same time, is there anything you've ever seen that, somehow results in faster approvals yes actually right now no unfortunately mm. but atf will go through phases right and unfortunately these phases are are unpredictable they'll come to us and say hey heads up we're turning on this batch approval process so mm. with the paper world let's say you buy a silencer then a month later you buy another one and a month later you buy another one when that first one gets approved they're going to approve all that's basically, oh. they, they kind of sweep them all together. Mm -hmm. So they'll tell us that's coming. They'll bring it online. They'll be approving so super fast. And the, our industry, we are the worst enemy of ourselves. Oh, so, it's like, so, so you'll wind up with some guy that's somehow offended by that will call ATF and start complaining and they'll turn it off. That's, that's how it always works. They're like, well, how this, this form's only been in queue for eight months. Mine's been in process for 12 months. They forget that that first guy had one for 14 as well, right? And uh, then ATL will turn it off because they just don't like to deal with the phones ringing and people complain, right? Sure. Some people will take it as far as going to politicians and, and I mean, it, it's a mess. Like I said, we are our own worst enemy. It's a, yeah. uh, it's, it's unfortunate. And unfortunately that's true. And, not just this instance that you provided, but in other contexts yeah. as well. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, it really, it's the craziest thing. And when I first got into it, I was like, man, guys, 
just be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is a good thing. Let's let this batching keep going, you know, and there have been a million cases like that where people just, they get mad, it gets shut down. It's, it, it is what it is, right? Even right now, ATF is afraid to keep their paper for, or the e-forms to process them to give too much precedence in because there are a lot of paper forms still outstanding, right? But with e-forms pushing six months, there are people still submitting on paper, right? Which actually is delaying the e-forms speeding up again. It, it really is a... Like I said, we, we are our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Nobody should be submitting on paper right now because it's ATF. It'll speed up for everybody once those paper forms are out of the system. Yeah. Do not let your dealer talk into talk you into a paper form. All right. You heard it here, <laughs> folks. And, and seriously, there, there's no point in, in that. I, 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 that's, I just can't even imagine why you'd want to do that. But awesome. This has been uh, an enjoyable hour with you. Dave, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to come on the podcast with me today. Uh, I hope yeah. that this has been educational for our listeners. In fact, I know it has been. But Yeah, this has been great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, folks, uh, we're going to start wrapping this up. Uh, a quick just reminder and a call out again. Today's episode is sponsored by SilencerShop.com. Uh, their title sponsor of the Concealed Carry Podcast now. Sporting their hat here. You guys know I love hats. And uh, we're proud of that fact and uh, really glad to have you on board. And so, so honored, like I said, to have you come on the podcast with me today, Dave. And uh, also, uh, guardianconference.com. Again, uh, I know some of you are probably still sitting on the fence. Some of you have already bought tickets. Uh, now's the time, like, if you're on the fence, like, you're going to want to start getting that locked in and get that, get that ticket. I don't think we're going to totally sell out, uh, but I can't promise that either. So, you know, make sure you go to guardianconference.com and hope to see you there in Oklahoma here in just actually about three weeks or so. So with that, Dave, uh, final word from you, sir. Uh, anything you want to throw out there as we wrap this up? Yeah, I'll just say check out silencershop.com. I mean, that's, we got a ton on there. Like we've already mentioned. Yeah. Awesome. And, and also, Hey, I almost forgot guys go check out their YouTube channel, which Dave briefly mentioned a lot of content there and find their social media uh, both on Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, and elsewhere. And uh, go subscribe and like and follow their accounts. We'd appreciate that very much. So with that, we're going to sign on out of here. Let everybody go. Thanks again, Dave. Thank you to all of you listeners, those of you who have been joining with us live uh, as we've been recording this. And to those of you that are listening after the fact, thank you for being a part of this. And until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.